welcome to Rockstar Violinist. You are listening to Queen Kyla Vera with her band Metalachi. Episode 5 of Electric Violin Shop's podcast, Rockstar Violinist, exploring the life and art of string players who live outside the box of traditional classical music. This week's artist is a fun one. She was one of the first people I wanted to interview when I decided to do this podcast. Her onstage persona is so over the top, her band is such an amazing blend of two styles, and her talent is so unmistakable, she is a lot of fun. First, we want to thank our sponsors, Kodobo and Dodario. Kodobo is the premier manufacturer of carbon fiber bows, the only kind of bow that can survive the Metalachi experience. And Dodario is the most popular brand of electric violin strings, necessary if you need top-notch performance in a wide range of situations, from festival stages to beer joints to the bright lights of America's Got Talent. Yes, Metalachi was featured in season 10 of America's Got Talent, and got a resounding thumbs up from all the judges. Electric Violin Shop is offering a deal on sponsors' items. Enter the code ROCKSTAR, that's all one word, at checkout at electricviolinshop.com and get 10% off any Kodobo or buy one get half off your second set of Dodario strings. That's checkout code ROCKSTAR at electricviolinshop.com. Now, I caught up with Kyla backstage at a sold-out venue in Anaheim, California, right before they left for a national tour. The rock and roll life is pretty raucous, and the quietest place we could find to talk was the parking lot out back. You may hear a little background noise here and there, but that is the life of a rock star violinist. Queen Calavera! So tell me about your band. You play in a great band. Yes, I play with my brothers in the band Metalachi, and there are five of us right now. We have trumpet, guitar, um, guitarron, and the singer, Vega. And we travel the U.S. being as cool as we can be, which is sometimes not that cool, but we try. It's pretty stinking cool, I'm not going to lie to you. It, it's, you. It, I was just blown away when I first heard about your band, that, that it, that's a fusion of two styles. Yes. Um, I mean, just sort of explain what your deal is for the people who haven't heard your um, band. Well, our band, the name is Metal Achi, and it's just like it sounds. It's heavy metal music mixed with mariachi music. So you grew up listening to mariachi then? Yeah, and like all sorts of stuff, uh, like, um, you know, Tex-Mex and different different things. Selena, of course. So lots of, lots of different things all mixed together. That's what we do. We do cumbias, and we do... Um, different styles, all even even different like um, Latin styles, all within our music, as well as different types of metal. Like we have some stuff. We have like Foreigner, which is a really heavy metal. Then we play Slayer, 
and then we have all this um, 80s hair metal and stuff like that. We play Judas Priest, we play Def Leppard, White Snake, like all different kinds. So we cover a pretty, pretty broad spectrum between the two genres. So where do you guys, you guys are based? We're based in LA. Okay. But we travel all over the U.S. Our biggest places to go are Texas, um, Arizona, New Mexico. But we love everyone, and we love to travel. <laughs> We're actually going to go on a tour for four weeks with Max Sabbath in April. Oh, I love um, those no, guys. in March, in April. Yeah, Max Sabbath's awesome. And Oakley Doakley, have you heard of them? No. Um, they're a Ned Flanders-inspired metal band. <laughs> I have heard. Yes, I have heard of them. Yes, they're awesome. I dream of playing on stage with them during their song Donut Hell. I'm going to ask them if they'll let me. So by the time this airs, we might actually be on tour. But Awesome. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. And that'll cover a lot of states we've never been to. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, fantastic. So um, so among your influences, who do you cite as influences? Mm, let's see. Um, classical influences. I just love the music of like Shostakovich, and Brahms, and Vorjak, and Bartok, um, and Mendelssohn. Mendelssohn's good. And then, but then going across, like musically, like just bands, or do you mean like musicians, or Just all, anybody who influences you as a I player. Mean, all of them influence me. I have like bands like Nine Inch Nails, Led Zeppelin, um, Jimi Hendrix, um, different violinists. I love Mark Wood, you know, he's been... Uh, an, an idol of mine and a mentor since I was a kid. Um, all my peers, like my friends, like Cassandra Sotos, Rachel Grace, a um, whole lot of people. I'm, I'm probably going to make a lot of people sad that I forgot everyone right now, but there's just so many I can't even list them. But I like a really broad spectrum of things. Um, and I just, I'm cool with almost anything, and I love adding everything I can into my playing and just experimenting. Awesome. Yeah, it's, and it's, again, a common theme that, I, that I've heard, and I've heard a guitar player say, too, that I don't really consider myself a guitar player. I consider myself a musician who happens to hold a guitar most <laughs> times, you know. So, yeah, it's cool to hear, like, influences from Brahms to Iron Maiden to yeah. mariachi music is, mm -hmm. is uh, you know, I think, sort of the people in our generation, too, because we've had access to the Internet, and it's not just, hey, these are the records my mom and dad listened to. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got the ability to, to pull up a Shostakovich song, and then you can pull up some Ozzy Osbourne, yeah. and then you can pull up some um, some Cajun music too. And mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's just the accessibility to music, I think, is so much greater than it used to be. Yeah, definitely for sure. And um, it's really fun. I actually like. Um, I just got into Pandora Radio because of that, because I can get crazy mixes of everything and um, listen to whatever I want whenever I want. So. I, I like that. I just play it all day. And I pick up all these things that, you know, I normally wouldn't listen to. I was in a serious XM for that reason, too. Like, they had, they have a lot of great music that I'd never heard. And I love adding new bands and new artists to my repertoire of people that I want to listen to and be just like. <laughs> yeah. So, you guys have done a lot of touring. Who yeah. uh, Name some bands that you've bumped into on the road that were just uh... like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm playing with these guys. Well, before I was in the band, they played with um, Dave Lombardo from Slayer, and that was pretty cool. Um, we've had Vinnie Paul come to our shows sometimes from Pantera. Um, 
I can't think of anyone else right now. <laughs> but I know we have a lot of cool fans. We had um, Sublime likes to play our albums before their shows, which oh, is pretty awesome. cool. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, and we have two albums now, by the way. We have Uno and Dos, and I'm on Dos. Awesome. So I play um, along with my brother Max. He played on half the songs, and I played on half. And some of them are just his, some of them are mine, and some of them were both playing. So okay. it, it's kind of fun because we play very different styles. So he plays violin too. Yeah, he was um, he was he was my predecessor. Okay. So he's um, he's not with us right now. We won't go into details, but <laughs> I got his spot for a little while. <laughs> Sometimes those things can be complicated. Yes. <laughs> awesome. So, I mean, where do you see yourself going in the next five years? What What is sort of the goal for you and for the band? Or? Mm-hmm. Well, with um, for me and for the band, we just really want to keep doing what we're doing. And we love our fans. Our fans are crazy. And we have so much fun. And, you know, we all feel so fortunate that we can do this every night for a living. And we just hope it gets bigger and better all the time. And, you know, we're able to support ourselves and live our dreams and be like every other productive person only in maybe a little bit less productive way because we're out <laughs> partying when they're sitting at their nine to fives <laughs> right. so if you're on tour a lot how does how does that sort of affect it, your your practice life and you know how do you how do you get good practice time in when you're on the road mm, i mean we just fit whatever and when we can i sit in the back of the van a lot and practice there okay. or we just you know we practice before and after sound check and, you know we have downtime we we find time same with workouts we go to the, we're either at yeah. the gym or we're practicing okay. when we're not sitting in the van. It's a pretty good life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. So, I mean, you talk about your fans a lot, and, and from what I've seen, you, you've got some crazy fans. I'm actually coming to your show tonight. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to see it. I've seen a lot of videos, and it looks like it's completely over the top. Yeah. Um, so what are, like, some super crazy fan experiences you've had, Ooh. good or bad? Let's see. Well, um, sometimes we play Every Rose Has Its Thorn. And we give a girl a lap dance. And one of the girls, I got on her, but for whatever reason, the chair was very slippery. And I always lean backwards and hang off of them, but I just fell off. And she panicked, so she grabbed my feet and she wouldn't let go. And I didn't know what to do, so I just did some pelvic thrusts in the air while I played and just acted like I was dancing. But I wasn't, I was trying to get away from her because I was, you know, I was hanging by my feet. And um, she finally let go. I mean, she didn't know what to do. She was trying to help. And (laughs) that was pretty um, interesting. Everyone thought I did it on purpose, at least. Except for her. She was pretty panicked. (laughs) She thought that she let me fall. (laughs) Uh, That was was pretty fun. I had um, someone was crowd surfing once, and he almost kicked me in the face while I was playing my solo. Nice. That was interesting. I think they kicked him out. I'm not sure. And um, someone bit me while I was playing. She just sank her teeth into me and wouldn't let go. And um, I was in the middle of my solo. I didn't know what to do. Of course. So I just kept playing, and security kicked her out, I think, because she bit me really hard for a long time and wouldn't let go. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, we've had some pretty crazy stuff. (laughs) Good deal. So you guys travel with your own engineer, or do you have to work with uh, house engineers? Um, Yeah, we use house engineers at this point. I think in the future maybe we'll find um one to tour with us but we have not done that at this point so it's a it's a common thing that we hear from a lot with violinists that have to deal with different engineers every night Mm -hmm. that it's not a uh 
it's not a common thing for somebody to have to mix a violinist. So do you have any advice for people that are dealing with, you know, how do, I really know how to mix your instrument, how to, you know? Mm, I, I think, I mean, obviously it varies venue to venue, like how you're going to sound, but it's, what well, I like having my own EQ, so I have the LR Bags um, DI, like the, what is it, the Venue DI, the mm -hmm. big one with the tuner and the boost and all that. Right. So I'm able to mix myself a little bit and tr try to help them along. And then just, you have to know what you want so that you can tell them, oh, I want a warm tone. Oh, I don't want too much reverb. Like, I, you know, can you lower the mids? Like, can you raise the treble? Whatever you need, like, you should be able to communicate with them and, and help them because if you talk to them in a way that they understand, then they'll be able to help you. Exactly. But you have to know what you want or else they're not going to be able to help you. <laughs> sure. Yeah, we talk about that a lot. It's just you've got to educate yourself in this whole thing so you can communicate with the people who are trying to help you. Mm -hmm. Awesome. All right, we're going to take a quick break here to talk about our sponsors. While we do that, we'll listen to some highlights of Metalachi Live on their Mockstrosity Tour. This particular clip was recorded in Worcester, Massachusetts in March of 2017. What happens when you put one of the pioneers of carbon fiber technology, a master bow maker, and a rocket scientist in a room together? It's not the beginning of a joke, it's the beginning of an era. Kodabo, the company, was born from that very lineage. It used to be that you'd have to choose between buying a professional level violin bow or buying a car. And then that bow was a frighteningly fragile and temperamental thing. It was dramatically affected by weather. You were terrified to drop it. The thought of dragging it into a bar would never cross your mind, but no more. Now you can buy an outstanding bow that's nearly indestructible. And Coda Bow has bows in a wide variety of price ranges from around $300 to well over $1,000. We recently had a very talented artist in the shop who had never played a Coda bow. We put one in his hands and the difference in sound was stunning. He had never considered how important a bow was to his sound and assumed that only a several thousand dollar bow would even make a difference. He walked out with a Coda bow Diamond GX and a renewed excitement for playing his instrument. Go to CodaBow.com to learn more or visit ElectricViolinShop.com to order your Coda bow today. Now back to our interview with Queen Calavera. Yeah, so um, I know what kind of violin you play because I've, I've seen your stuff. So explain to people what kind of instrument you play, what your gear is, what your what your rig, what's your preferred setup. Well, right now, my violin is a Joe Domjin um, Fusion 5. It is a new prototype violin that he's working on and hopefully will be released through Wood Violins at some point. And it's a five-string custom um, hollow body vi electric violin. And it's built to some specifications that I really wanted in electric violin. So it's, um, it just, it fits under my chin better for me because a lot of them are flat mm -hmm. or they're heavy or they're like to me awkward in some way and I'm just really picky about my electric violins 
Um, so I'm very happy with that. And it's um, mine is the limited edition Queen Calavera finish. And more might come out if people like them enough. Yeah, it's awesome to have your own signature model violin. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. And then I, um, I have a pedal board. Um, my favorite pedals right now, I'm using um, a DoD Overdrive. I have a little um, Crybaby bass walk, like the mini. And I really like that. I haven't found a lot of Waz that I was crazy about, but that one I really like. I use the Electro Harmonics Cathedral pedal for um, reverb. Um, and then, of course, my Eller Bags DI. I have a Samson um, wireless unit. I really like the wireless units that have the little bug instead of like the pack with the wire. Right. Because um, as a violinist, you know, it's hard to. I mean, sure. you can Velcro it on or whatever, but I bend those wires. And right. Unless you're playing a Viper, there's no place to put the pack. Yeah, it's hard to do. So I really am happy with that. I haven't figured out a way to stick it on, so I just use tape. Which is probably horrible for my violin, but <laughs> yeah. And then, um, oh, my um, I love um, Earthquaker devices. So right now on my board, I have an Earthquaker organizer, and then um, I also have the Earthquaker Rainbow Machine, which is like the coolest pedal I've ever played with. Yeah, what does that do? Um, it kind of just makes space noises, <laughs> so I'm I'm still working on incorporating that in. Okay. But it's really fun. And then I have a TC Electronics um, chorus pedal. So that's my setup right now. I think that's all. Yeah. But I love gear, and I switch it up all the time. And I kind of base my solos, like my long... You'll see in the set, like I always have a long solo in the middle. And I base it around which pedals I decide I want to use. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, to me, that's half the fun of playing electric. Yeah. Is that you get full range to just explore all these crazy different sounds and I feel like sometimes I can I can find a sound that man this sound really turns me on I don't, I don't even know how I'm going to use this yet yeah but then like in a moment of inspiration on stage you're like I know where I'm going to use that I'm going to use it right now mm-hmm. yeah exactly I love that feeling when you just figure out how you're going to incorporate it and then you didn't spend all that money for nothing right <laughs> so you get to do a lot of improv on stage then yeah Okay, so, I, so talk to me about how you sort of learned how to how to do the improv thing. And, um, well, I learned my scales and my keys um, as best I could. And then I just kind of experimented until I got it, really. I mean, there's a method, and I, I tried to learn through the method. Mark Wood has his method book, which is really great. He has his, his educational program. That helped a lot. But really, for me, it was just trial and error. Like, I got hired, and they took me on stage. I was like, I can kind of improvise. I just did it till I got it right. <laughs> awesome. So you're not, like, a big theory geek or anything? It's... Um, no. I'm, I'm not very good at memorizing things. So, like, I can hear it, and I can feel it. But if you ask me to explain it, I'm not very good at that. <laughs> like, if you're like, oh, um, what's this chord's name? And all this, like... I mean, I could tell you the notes if I play them, but if you play the chord, then I'm like, oh, okay, I know the chord, and I'll play over it and whatever. Like, I can pick it up by ear. I just, I'm not good at, at the definitions, I guess. <laughs> That's fair. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's a pretty well-known fact, like, Jim Hendrix couldn't read music. Well, that's a funny thing. I can read music. I started reading music when I was three. I just, I'm just not good at, <laughs> um, 
theory in general, I guess. I'm just weird. One of those Quick break here to tell you about our other sponsor. In the meantime, we will listen to Epic, the Metalachi's second studio release entitled This. In the meantime, let's talk Dodario. In earlier episodes, you heard about an octave string giveaway. They have chosen a winner, and you can find out who it was on the Electric Violin Shop's Facebook page. But the fun doesn't stop there. The next giveaway is a set of Zyx strings. Zyx synthetic core strings produce an extremely warm, rich sound. They're using a new generation of synthetic material that makes these strings incredibly stable under drastic climate conditions. Imagine that sound check happens with the AC pumping into an empty room. By the time you take the stage, the crowd has shown up and the temperature has risen dramatically. And by the time you're 30 minutes into your set, it's 20 degrees warmer than that on a stage. The last thing you need is to be chasing tuning all night with a packed house screaming at you. Zyx strings settle in in just a few hours of playing time, and they've got a warmer sound than most other synthetic strings, and they're great for use on bright-sounding instruments like many electric violins. So find the link in the info for this podcast and register to win a free set of Zyx strings from Daddario, and swing by orchestral.daddario.com to learn more about all the awesome products they have. Now back to Queen Calavera, rock star violinist. So, I mean, because of the success of the band that you're in, you've got to do a lot of things that, that probably a lot of people you grew up with haven't done, they haven't mm-hmm. been to, they haven't seen. What are some, like, coolest experiences you've had on the road, some places you've been? Mm, one place we played was in Arizona. It was called Rock Fiesta, and it was, like, um, I think there were four stages, and it was just this huge um, party, I guess. There were just tons and tons of people, and we got to go out and play... Um, it was in the morning, so it wasn't completely full, but it was there were enough people to where it was totally awesome, and um, a whole bunch of cool bands played that, that day, like Oso Motley, and um, that was pretty awesome. And then we actually opened directly for Oso Motley in um, Dallas, Texas. Was it Dallas or Austin? It was Austin, actually, just a couple months ago. That was awesome because they are one of the coolest bands ever, and to be able to open for them was just an honor. Um, that was that was really awesome. And then Dallas, um, we play at this place called Trees, and Trees is a pretty cool venue. Um, Vinnie Paul, that's where he comes to see us when he comes out. And um, I love that audience because you go up there and all you have to do is stand and not even play, and they just start screaming their heads off. And um, it makes me feel really happy to know that they're that excited for us to be there. Because, right. you know, I mean, what's the point of doing your job if no one cares? Like, right. You know, I can do it for myself, but I want to make people happy, and I, I want to see them having a good time. That's my main goal. Right. 
I can play for myself at home. Yeah. You know, yeah. if I'm out on a stage and I'm away from where I'm from, then, you know, yeah, I, I want the crowd. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, I think that's hands down the best crowd is Dallas ever. But Texas in general, we have the best people. Houston is our other, like, my favorite. They're, um, they're pretty nuts there. I feel like, because I lived in Texas for 10 years and played there, and I, and I feel like the expectation in, in Texas is higher than it is in a lot of places. I think they're they're really sophisticated music fans there. Yeah, that's how I feel too. So I'm surprised they like us so much. <laughs> just kidding. But yeah, they're they're just really like very different there than anywhere else. Like our crowds everywhere are rowdy, but they're just above and beyond in Texas. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. That's I lived in Houston, Beaumont for for 10 years. Oh, and, nice. And just I I just feel like any other place you go I think Texans just listen to music differently. Yeah, they do. Their expectation is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find it's really fun to play for an audience that they're digging the show, but they're also digging your playing. Yeah. You know, and I feel like you get more of that in, in Texas than, than other places. Yeah, for sure. And then we have some places where they listen really carefully, which is great, but then there's no reaction. Like, they're so busy focused right. on what you're doing. And they're being polite, but then I think, what did I do wrong? And right, at the yeah. end, they tell you, oh, that was great, I loved it. And they, you know, they tell you things that they liked about the shows, so you know, they were listening. But the whole time you're up there, you're just thinking, man, this audience doesn't like us very much. Why are they so quiet? Isn't that the most awkward thing? <laughs> yes. Is there, oh, you guys are great. And you're like, well, you got a funny way of showing it. <laughs> yeah, just at least throw something at us or something. <laughs> So what's the craziest thing you've had thrown at you on the stage? Um, a pair of dirty underwear from a guy. Nice. I don't know how he even took them off because he was still clothed when he threw them. They were soaking wet and they hit me while I was playing a solo. And um, I don't want to know what was on them either, why they were dripping no. wet, but yeah. Um, I'm sorry, but I picked them up with a pair of rubber gloves. You didn't use your bow? Uh, I didn't want to ruin my bow hairs. <laughs> they were pretty damn. <laughs> so the guys in the band are, you guys are all family. They're your brothers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're all related. Some of us are, we're all um, half half siblings. Okay. Same mom, different dads. <laughs> so you've literally grown up with the band that you're touring with. Mm. Some of them, because we were raised by different people, some of us. Okay. So, but most of our lives we've been together. That's awesome. So, like, family fights and band member fights are, like, sort of two different things. I mean, I'm in a band, and and we're like brothers to each other, Mm -hmm. but we're not actually brothers. Yeah. So, Mm, it It can get interesting. I'm sure I've thrown, like, a potato at someone or something like that at some point. You know, but then... It's funny, like, because we'll be, I'll get mad at someone. I don't know if they get as mad as me as I get at them sometimes, but sometimes I'm just pissed. And then five minutes later, I'm like, okay. And then we're hugging and eating snacks and we're fine with each other again. So it's nice to have that family dynamic and yeah. be able to just sort it out like that. <laughs> right, because the relationship is deeper than just we're in a band together. Yeah. Thoughts or ideas that you've got for people as they're exploring the idea of electric violin? Um, I mean, there's so many options out there. 
and you know there's no one right option it's what's best for you and you just kind of have to explore it and try stuff out you can start with acoustic electric you can start with you know a five-string acoustic even that has a pickup and you know go from there just get used to hearing yourself louder and hearing yourself coming out of speakers that's one thing that's weird when you have like your sound is not coming right under your ear um, if you have a fully electric instrument and um, you know just get used to different things and be open to it and give it a chance because stuff is gonna be weird at first like some of those violins feel strange if you're used to something you know if you're used to just an acoustic violin and um, then you get used to it and sometimes you just fall right into it um, you know it all depends on the person and the instrument but just keep trying and keep exploring until you find what you like and just know that everyone has their own path and when you find it you're going to love it <laughs> you're also one besides being a fantastic player you're one of the best performers that I've seen Aww. and and, Thank um, you. and and I wonder if maybe you've got some advice because there so many times violinists tend to be a little more introverted or a little shy <laughs> I mean just maybe you've got some some tips for people that are sort of trying to let out that inner that inner uh, tiger or whatever you know <laughs> well I'm actually very shy and sometimes I'm just terrified to even talk to people but I've just learned when I get on stage, um, you know, when I get up there, I just, I go up there and I, I'm like, I'm going to have fun. And, you know, if I, I used to get nervous with the audience and I would just not look at them. I'd look past them. So they thought I was looking at them, but they didn't know I was terrified. And um, once I got used to that and I started having more fun, I thought, man, um, these people are having a lot of fun. I should be having more fun with them. And then I started looking at them and engaging with them and... It got easier. Just I just had to slowly work my way into that because you know when I was little, I was so shy I would cry if someone talked to me because I just was so embarrassed to like talk to someone I didn't know because I just uh, not because I was afraid of them I just didn't want to I guess I felt exposed or something so you know it took me a, a little while to get over that myself but once I did. You know, now it's it's endless. It's like I'm over on our guitar player's shoulders while I play my solos, and I'm rolling around on the floor and sitting on people and falling off people and doing whatever. And it just, you know, I, it kind of just grew into this crazy thing. And it's, you know, it took a while, but don't give up on that either. Don't go, oh, I'm too shy to do this, I'm too afraid. If that's what you want, you just have to go for it and just keep working at it until you're comfortable. That's what I do. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, there's. you might hear a helicopter flying overhead. We are actually outside the club that her band is playing in tonight. We're, we're sitting out like next to this freeway in Los Angeles. There's <laughs> a lot of street noise. But, um, and it's just because there's so much craziness happening around. Yeah. And, and you guys really do, like you said before, had this. you've got this rabid following. Yeah. That doesn't happen by accident. So, I mean, that's something that you guys have put a lot of work into. And yes. maybe give some ideas about, like... How do you help create that that really dedicated following? Um, well, I think it's really important that you're friendly with um, your fans. I mean, I love all my fans, and I'm really happy that they're there to support us, and I want to make sure they, they know that. So I try to t talk to them at least after the shows and before the shows, and I try to just, you know, be friends with them and let them know that I'm just a regular person who's crazy. 
and I'm on stage, you know, but then I get off the stage and we're pals. And I want you at my shows and, you know, I want you to be friends with me and I want, I appreciate everything that our fans do. And, you know, I think that's the main, I think that's really important. Like showing your fans appreciation, talking to them, you know, letting them know that you are a regular person underneath whatever persona you have on stage. I definitely am. Se second I step off stage, I feel different. I feel like, like, um, I'm just, I'm just a different person on and off the stage for sure. And so I like going out and just hanging with everyone after the shows, having a drink, talking about their cats or, you know, whatever they want to talk about. <laughs> That's awesome. So you did mention that, um, maybe this is Greatest question. We talk about that you that you know a bunch of other violinists around. Have you have you done any work with any of the violinists around here? Yes. Much Actually, um, Hayden Batera came and played with us in Austin in May, I think. He came and he sat in, and that was pretty awesome because he's been a hero of mine since I was a teenager. I remember the first time I saw him at NAMM, I was with a friend, and I said, "Oh my God, that's Hayden Batera!" And they're like, "Is it? I don't know who that is." I'm like, "How do you not know who that is?" And I was so nervous to talk to him because he was so awesome. And um, then it turns out he grew up in a small town near where I grew up. And we have a lot of the same things in common. And um, yeah, it was pretty awesome. And now we're friends and it was so cool to be able to work with him finally because, you know, someone that I've looked up to for so long is sharing the stage with me. And my favorite band in the world, Metalachi. <laughs> Right, we're going to take one last break here before we finish our chat with Kyla Vera. Right now, you're listening to Raining Blood, also from Metalachi's album Dose. Thanks again for listening to Rockstar Violinist. Please click subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so you can be notified when we release additional episodes. Our next episode is going to be two awesome players and fantastic people, the sensational duo Black Violin. If you don't know who they are, please look them up. They are true pioneers in the field of hip-hop violin. It was a really fun interview, and I know you're going to enjoy it. Now a little bit more Metalachi, and then back to Queen Kyla Vera, rock star violinist. Lonely Boys. Oh, cool. uh, A few years ago, and they were they were super guys. Awesome. I think we're opening for them soon. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure we are. Yeah, they put on a fantastic show. <laughs> I'm excited about that. They're they're awesome. That's yeah. really cool. But that's you know again it's sort of a, a blending of, of two styles, and, and I think we're gonna see more and more of that in music mm-hmm. as um, as more and more people again through the internet are sort of discovering each other and, yeah. you know, discovering, hey, I, I sort of like what you do. It's different from what I do. Um, 
And I mean, we saw it all the way back in the in the '80s with Run DMC and Aerosmith was sort of that first collision of, of those two worlds. Mm-hmm. And you know, so many cool things have have come out of those collaborations. Yeah, and I think um, what's really cool um, is just when you see all these different people playing. Like for a while, when I was younger, I used to think, "Oh man, like they're doing everything right, and I'm wrong, and like their way's better." And I would feel like I'm not up to par with all these other people in so many ways and then I realized you know maybe they do some things better than me but they have their own style and when I figure that out that everyone has their own style and their own influences it really um, for me helped me open my mind a lot more to what I'm able to do as a player and then appreciate what everyone else was able to do and see where they're coming from like with Hayden like having his Latin background and then being in Iraq and what he comes up with, and he has a mariachi come up on stage with him sometimes, and they do cool stuff with that, and his rock band, and all those different influences. And it's it's cool to see so many people on the internet and places like that doing the same thing and seeing how they incorporate their heritage and their how they grew up with whatever else they decide to mix it with. You have like you see hip hop cello and you know different things like that. I think that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I think it is cool that um, I sort of feel like in a lot of ways electric violin is about where a guitar was back in the 50s, that the people are starting to figure out that maybe this thing can be used in a lot of different ways. It doesn't mm-hmm. just have to be classical music. It does, doesn't have to be country. Yeah. I get that all the time. Oh, the fiddle in the band. You guys are a country band. Mm-hmm. No, no, really not at all. Yeah. Um, but so, I mean, I think we're sort of starting to see this explosion of electric violin being used in a bunch of different styles of music. Yes, absolutely. And I, I can only hope that, you know, some of you kids that are listening to this now, mm-hmm. that you'll get inspired and you'll sort of take what our generation has started and that you guys are going to leapfrog and, you know, I'm, I'm excited for, for the future of music. Absolutely. That's one cool thing about, um, you know, performing in a band like Metalachi. A lot of people watch me even though most of our shows are not all ages they at least film the show and a lot of people have come up to me and said oh I filmed you for my my kid you know they're just learning to play they're not maybe they're not very inspired by what they're doing so far they 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 said they want to do something different play electric guitar and they see they tell me that they show their kids my videos um with Metalachi and they think the band's cool and they think the electric violin parts are cool and all the pedals I get to use and it makes them excited and it makes them want to practice and work hard so that they can um, start learning to do different things like that so maybe for people that you know regular acoustic violin classical violin isn't the way you know for them to be inspired by something like what I do is pretty amazing and I know there's so many other people out there too that they can look up to like like Hayden and Mark Wood, my friend Cassandra, Rachel, so many people. There's so many people out there. <laughs> right. Well, I feel like the business model is changing too. Where I mean, it used to be that recorded music was was where a lot of money was. Yeah. Because you figure you know you've got about you got about two dollars in a CD and you can mm-hmm. sell them for fifteen and there's yeah. there's huge profit margin and of course all your studio costs set aside but but there's you know there's huge potential for profit in recorded music and I think maybe you maybe you're having a different experience than me but I sort of feel like a lot of that profitability is is sort of waning because yeah 
of, of the internet, and, and people are so easy to copy stuff. Yeah, um, I definitely feel like performance uh, makes more money than selling albums at this point. Although we we had a lot of album sales for sure, and we have a lot of loyal fans who were waiting for our second album, and they all bought it really fast, which was great. But overall, just I see this in the industry. It seems like performance is really the only way to make money in merch, like selling t-shirts and all right. that. But the, the music part of it, you have things like Pandora and Spotify and all that. You don't, I don't think you make that much money off of that. No, I mean, it's, it's pretty well documented that, that it's, I mean, even Taylor Swift sort of got in mm-hmm. on the argument and her saying, you know, I have enough money. Yeah. But I have a big enough voice that I can make an argument for the people that are that are trying to come up in this world. Yeah. Um, and she had a pretty famous stand against Apple, and um, and was able to get them to move some. And it was, yeah. You know, it was it was great. So, um, yeah, we can hear people sound checking inside if that's what you're listening to right now. <laughs> um, but so I, I sort of feel like it. Like bands have to adapt to a changing world. It, it used to be that it was all I want to get a record deal, and I've got to get a record out, and I've got to get signed by this label. Yeah. And I think the internet has helped with distribution some. Yeah, for sure. Now it's more about having a viral video than it is about having a hit song. I feel like a lot of pe- a lot of people even got their record lab- record deals from having a viral video or being on YouTube and having a big enough presence, it seems like. There's a there's a few people. I think Justin Bieber was discovered on YouTube. And yep. Maybe Lady Gaga had... I think she had a lot of internet presence. There's a few people I followed um, who started out on MySpace. And oh, yeah. um, now they're so big and they had huge MySpace followings and it just blew up from there. Yeah, MySpace was a tremendous platform for musicians. Yeah. And it sort of went away. And, and I feel like maybe YouTube and Instagram are sort of the new MySpace. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Facebook was great before they started deciding who was going to see your stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But you guys still have a huge following on Facebook. We do. I have no idea how many people, but I know it's a lot. <laughs> and, you know, managing those accounts is a full-time job. Yeah, so, it is. you know, I don't know if you handle any of that for the um, band. no. I mean, I go on my own Facebook, and that's a lot already. Usually, every time I check, I have like a hundred alerts. <laughs> oh wow! It's, so we have a lot of activity, even with our own personal accounts. Right. That's well, you guys have really cultivated each person in the band as as a specific personality, and like, so I'm a fan of Metalachi, but I'm also like specifically a fan of Calavera, and and that's just something I think you guys have really put a lot of work into doing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I um, I think it's really great. We definitely have fans that gravitate more towards different people, although they love everyone. All of them love everyone. But I definitely have people that come up to me and they say, oh, well, you know, out of everyone, I just love following whatever on your post. Some of them are girls and they just, they like my clothes or my makeup or whatever. But whatever it is, you know, it's cool. And I'm glad that I have people that, you know, see common interests with me and, you know, not just someone on stage that they go to watch play. Right. You know, it's like I had friends everywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's sometimes I almost feel funny about calling people my fans because mm-hmm. it almost assumes this distance. Yeah. Between you and it's, um, I don't know, followed friends is is a little too intimate, but I mean, <laughs> we we need a new word in like the social media era. Mm, friends. Yeah. Can be friends. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now you just sound like you're from Tennessee. Yeah, that's We're true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> figure it out. How about? No, I don't know. I'll figure it out. We'll have we'll have like a internet poll. There you go. We'll have some people. Pick, yeah, pick so the word they want. <laughs> you guys are listening. You have to comment and let us know what what our word needs to be. It's like yeah. we feel like fans is too distant, but friends is you know maybe too, you know we don't hang out at each other's houses. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we need a better word. So you yeah. guys get to work on that. Mm-hmm. We'll crowdsource this one. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been really fantastic talking to you. I know you've got to get uh, you've got a lot of work to do before you hit the stage. And, yeah. Uh, probably got to get some food to eat. And, um, so. It's been fantastic. I can't wait to see the show tonight. Yeah, just thanks for following the series. Thank you.